The push at that time, right? The, the way we talk about gender is constantly in flux, at least from a, um, a, a societal standpoint, right? From a secular standpoint. And at that time in the 80s and 90s when he was speaking on it, we were really pushing for women to become like men, right? Like that, that was kind of like the, here's how we're gonna approach gender, right? Like women become like men. That's what's gonna make you happy, right? And so JP2 was like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> like, what you have is unique. What you bring to this world is beautiful, it's necessary. He called it vitally essential. And so he wanted to remind us of who we are. He wanted to remind us of what we bring to the world and how it's not something that we should be pitting genders against each other, right? But seeing that the beauty of the complementarity that God designed. Welcome to this week's episode of Living Fullness. In this particular episode, I have another guest here on the podcast who's going to share a bit about her life and about her work. So I would love to introduce you to Lisa Cotter. Lisa is a Catholic speaker and an author known for her practical insights on relationships, femininity, and living life with excellence. After serving as a focused missionary family for over 10 years, Lisa has continued to share her passion for the faith with Catholics all around the world. Lisa is the author of Reveal the Gift, Living the Feminine Genius, and Dating Detox, 40 Days of Perfecting Love in an Imperfect World. Her work has been featured on Ascension Presents, The Hello App, EWTN, Form.org, Steubenville Youth Conferences, Seek Conferences, and numerous other outlets. Lisa holds a master's degree in theology and resides in Denver, Colorado with her husband, Kevin, and their four children. So Lisa Cotter, welcome to the Living Fullness Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Man, my bio makes me sound cool. And in your accent, it makes me sound even cooler. So thanks for that. You are cool. You don't need my accent for that. (laughs) It just makes me laugh because most days I'm sitting around in my house in my sweats, like (laughs) making macaroni and cheese. Yeah, and that's, you know, it doesn't matter what you're wearing to be cool. It comes from the inside, right? So... (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here, Lisa. I can drive a minute. Oh, I'm so glad to be here too. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's crazy to me that we are literally like in opposite <laughs> corners of the world and can do this. Like what yeah. a world, what a world we Absolutely. live in. Absolutely. Technology, the blessings of technology when it works really well. Let's hope it continues to work so <laughs> for this conversation. Maybe yes. to start with Lisa, could you share a little bit about, you know, tell us a bit about who you are and what kind of maybe led you to writing this particular book that we're going to speak about today, Reveal the Gift? Mm, oh, yes, yes. Okay. So, I mean, my bio really does sum up a lot of um, kind of where we came from. So my husband, Kevin, and I um, have been in apostolic work our whole marriage, um, you know, since we got married straight out of college, like, I don't know, like a month and a half after wow. we graduated from university, we got married. Yeah, a little wild. I was like, I could barely legally toast a my own <laughs> wedding. Um, it's great. Um, <laughs> Love it. It's 21 when I got married. Yeah. But, you know, God knows. Yeah. yeah, so we've got four four great kids. Um, our oldest is 16. Our youngest is four. So we've got our hands just like in every season of life right now, which is a blast, um, a lot of fun. And we spent 11 years as focused missionaries, which was amazing. And that really was kind of where this passion for the feminine genius came from, where it started from um, trying to make the story short, right? Um Years ago, Focus invited me to speak at one of their Sikh conferences to all the women, and they asked me to give this talk on authentic Catholic femininity. And my first thought was, no, <laughs> like, 
no, I don't want to do that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> like, who wants to get up on stage and tell other women how to mm, be women, right? Like, mm, it just sounded mm. awful. Yeah, just a little intimidating, right? Um, and I think part of the reason for that was because I kind of felt like I was failing as a Catholic woman. I just, because I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I don't think I'm the poster child for this, so I don't think I should be up on stage, right? Um, but I, I really took it to prayer um, because there was that issue. And the other issue is I was kind of afraid, honestly, of what the church taught about authentic right. Catholic femininity. Yeah, I had some ideas in my mind about what it was, um, but a lot of them were kind of stereotypes. Um, some of it was misconceptions. Some of it was uh, misinformation. I don't think anybody was trying to, you know, um, like twist something, you know, but they just maybe didn't have the full picture. And so I kind of had this version of what a Catholic woman was supposed to look like, and it wasn't mm, me. And so I was like, oh, mm, I can't mm. do this. I don't want to know the answer because if I don't know the answer, then I don't have to be accountable to it, right? So all of this kind of kept me away from the topic. But um, one thing that I found, you know, when we were in focus was that um, if focus asked me to do something, right? Like that was our, that was our postulate, right? right? Not, not, this isn't like a religious order, right? It's not like, oh, mother superior <laughs> said we have to do this, right? No, but if my apostle was asking something of me, I always wanted to be open to that. Yes, because that we had given a greater yes to being these missionaries. And so I was like, okay. So I prayed about it, thought about it. And I was like, all right, I probably shouldn't be avoiding this topic. And if focus thinks I can do it, then I, and think, feels that I'm called to do it, then, then I'm going to say yes. So that was really mm. kind of how the whole thing started was this talk over a decade ago, um, just preparing for it reading, studying, actually looking at what the church said with eyes that weren't afraid. And from there, I felt this new freedom that I had never experienced before in my in my womanhood, just from understanding, oh, this is what the church is teaching. This is what the church is saying. Like, wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that's a gift. I can get behind that. I don't have to fit in this tiny box that I've created. There's actually a way for me to authentically live my femininity as a Catholic that's totally in line right. with the church. And so this was this was really free, right. free, right? <laughs> and so um so it started with that talk. Um and then it it took 10 years for the book to follow. Um just Lots of different reasons for that, right? But I always, not always, but I pretty quickly after I gave that talk felt like I need to, I need to put this down on paper, but I needed time also to process it myself before. When you write a book, it's kind of scary because it's, it's pretty permanent, mm -hmm. right? You know, social media, we can delete something, um, we can edit it, you mm -hmm. know, but like a book's a book. So, um, wanted to make sure that I was at the right spot and the right place in my life to be able to do it. And, um, here it is. Reveal the gift. My my book is out yeah. now. Yeah, and it's been out for a little while now. It's been a few months now that it's been out. Is that right? Yeah, a year. Oh, actually. right. Yeah, just over a there year. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It only Time came price. up on my radar a few months yeah. ago, and I was like, as soon as I got it, I went, right, we're buying it. Mm. Let's do this. <laughs> and I devout. I was saying to you before, Lisa, I completely devoured your book. It was just written so mm. so easy to read, so relatable. Um, and you don't skirt around, <laughs> you kind of just hit the nail on the head, which is really refreshing. Um, and, and also mm. e even with your education background, your, uh, education in theology, I just felt like I was reading something that was catered for my understanding, which is, is not from a theological background. So I really appreciated mm. just your choice of language as well in being able to break it open. Um, so Oh, praise God. In short form, if you yeah. haven't read the book, that go buy the book <laughs> and read the book. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you're the best. <laughs> That's the best. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. And th- honestly, that was one of my hopes okay. was that I had read so much, I don't know, theological works yeah. on it. But even with my master's in theology, there's some philosophical terms that people would throw around. And I'd be like, I, I'd have to Google that, what? you know, like, what does that what? mean? So I wanted it to be accessible, but I also wanted it to to be not fluffy. You know, I was like, we can do this. We can do both. We can be real and and we can be smart without, you know, having to be yeah. fluffy. So, yeah. So I yeah. guess then in trying to get a little bit deeper in terms of the conversation around femininity and feminine genius. I mean, even that language, right? Feminine genius, what does that, you know, that that's all automatically can be a very foreign terminology from someone who, who hasn't come across it before. So in thinking about that and what yep. you were saying before too, about how hard it is, you know, when you first were asked to, to get up and speak about femininity and the feminine genius, how hard it is to actually articulate what it means to be feminine. Maybe we can start by breaking open. What, what do you think the feminine genius is like where where would we even begin mm-hmm. <laughs> the impossible yeah, question i know right start, yeah <laughs> i know yeah no it's true if you ask it uh, you know an audience of women and i do this sometimes like who wants to define the feminine genius everyone's like oh no way. way like i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a really hard thing to pin down and and the reality is that I, I don't think a lot of people recognize is that pope st john paul ii who spoke on it frequently. First of all, he didn't invent the idea or the concept, right? This was not, some people are like, oh, like John Paul II's feminine genius. I'm like, well, he he popularized it. So that's why we attribute it to him, right? He really brought it out, but he's not the one who created it or came up with the idea, right? Philosophers before him, popes before him were talking about it, maybe not using that language, um, but he himself, despite how much he talked about it, never defined it. <laughs> like he never came out and gave us a definition. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Come on, man. You could have done that, right? The feminine genius is. It would have helped a lot. Um, oh. th- that's one of the questions when we have, when we sit down together and have oh, 100%. Some of the 100%. I'll come join you on that table someday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be so great. Um, yeah. So he never defined it, right? So we're left to kind of like dig, right? And and try to get at what of the heart, what, what is going on? What, what are you getting at? Right. So in my book and in my research, um, you know, I found a lot of definitions, right. And, and I think they all are similar. I think they all harmonize, right. It's not like, Whoa, mm. those are two totally different things, right. You can see the overlap. Um, but we, we kind of have to like, just give it a, a definition or else it's hard to move forward if we don't have like something, a baseline to jump off of. So the, the definition that I chose, um, that, that was my favorite and made the most sense to me. And, and, um, I trusted the most, most comes from a woman named sister Prudence Allen, who is a religious sister. She's a philosopher of gender. She spent, I mean, decades of her life writing on gender, right. Gender theory, um, specifically women, uh, maybe gender theory is not the right terminology. Um, but just looking at, mm-hmm, at women, mm-hmm. right. And so she's the one who I turn to. Um, so the way she defines the feminine genius, um, and I'm going to have to, I want to make sure I'm going to pull this up in mm. my book here because I don't want to get this definition wrong. Um, okay, hold on. You're going to have to bear with me. Okay. She says, here it is. I'm using my book um, for those who are watching. This is my sign. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> it's so colorful. Yes, it's so fun. Every... Yeah, I know, I but it. here's the problem is I don't know why I use it for this because then I'm reading over people's signatures. <laughs> That's why it's so hard to find things in here. Um, but I take this with me everywhere I go. And when I sign your book, you sign oh, mine. Oh, bless. And That's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool? 
yeah. So this this thing is going with me to the nursing mm. home, right? Like mm. this is one of those possessions mm. that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, I found the definition. Here she goes. She says, the phrase genius of woman refers to a way of being, acting, and loving in the world, which manifests a unique creativity in human relationships. So we'll just stop right there. So what she's saying is that the feminine genius isn't like about how smart women are, which is what I think um, sometimes we might think of when we hear genius, We're like, oh, it's about how brilliant women are. It's like, well, women are brilliant. There's some really smart women, but it's not about intellectual knowledge. It's not about practical skills. It's about who we are, like who we were created to be. It's about um, the way that God uniquely made us and the way in which in our uniqueness, we relate to others, right? So if I had to kind of like sum it up, if I had to just like give a quick little like, okay, what is a feminine genius? If we had to like just put it into a few words, I would say it's the person-oriented disposition of women. Mm. Right, mm. just the unique way that women approach relationships that's very central to who we are and how we were created. Um, and so that's kind of the launching pad, right? Then for the rest of the book is like, okay, well then what is this person-oriented nature? What does it mean? What do women uniquely bring to the world? And that's what John Paul II II in all of his writings so beautifully dove into um, in so many different places of his works. Um, it's just amazing to see how much he loved us as women and how much he wanted to honor us and how much he came back yeah. to us. And it was just like, thanks for thinking of yes. me, right? Like I needed that. So yeah. he's the best. He just, uh, he had a way of connecting with people, didn't he? And he just, he seemed to be able to see the heart mm-hmm. of woman just so beautifully and with such dignity. Mm. Um, it's quite profound, yeah. quite profound. And he was, and he was really reading the signs of the times. He was recognizing at that time in the world, there was the, the push at that time, right? The, the way we talk about gender is constantly in flux, uh, at least from a, um, a, a societal mm, standpoint, mm, right? From a secular mm. standpoint. And at that time in the 80s and 90s, when he was speaking on it, we were really pushing for women to become like men, right? Like that, that was kind of like the, here's how we're going to approach gender, right? Like women become like men. That's what's going to make you happy, right? And so JP2 was like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> like, what you have is unique. What you bring to this world is beautiful. It's necessary. He called it vitally essential. Mm. And so he wanted to remind us of who we are. He wanted to remind us of what we bring to the world and how it's not something that we should be pitting genders against each other, right? But seeing that the beauty of the complementarity that God designed that doesn't make one gender better than the other, doesn't make one gender more valuable than the other, doesn't make one gender more um have more dignity than the other, right? Yeah. None of that. Like, no, no, we are equal in our worth and our value and our dignity. But just because we each have these beautiful gifts doesn't mean that, yeah, that we need to like fight with each other or try to become like the other or try to overtake the other. Mm. So that's where he, that's why he was talking about this at this mm. time, um, was to really just affirm women and who they were because we needed to hear it. We mm. needed to hear it. And we needed to hear it from someone in his shoes as well from a pastor, from, you know, mm. someone who could speak from the heart of Christ at that time and now, <laughs> like we continue mm-hmm. to need to mm-hmm. hear it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one thing you also said, I think it's shortly after that, what you're talking about just there. Um, and I'm actually just going to quote you if you wouldn't mind kind of pulling apart what you're saying here, possessing the feminine gifts Go does not equate to the feminine genius rather the gifts are the fruit of the feminine genius. Can you pull that Mm. apart a bit for us? Yes. So, um, 
we have like this, right? Like our feminine disposition, I'll call it, right? Right. Just kind of the, the way that God created us. We have this disposition about us and what flows from that then are these unique gifts, right? And I think um, it's important to know here that these gifts are not um, exclusive to one gender or the other. It's not like, oh, because JP2 talks about a woman's sensitivity. Oh, well, that means that men don't have to be <laughs> right. Or, right. That they have no, um, they have no right. emotional life and have, you know, they're just like completely dense when it comes to oh. recognizing, you know, wow, mm. a situation, right? No, mm. no, 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 not at all. But what JP2 is saying is that because of the way our disposition, the way that we were created as women, there are certain gifts that we get to be what um, Pope Benedict would call the privileged sign mm. of, right? It's like there's something unique about these gifts that we bring into the world in a unique way that we're called to model to the men in our life who are also called to live from these gifts. Um and so we bring that to to the world, and that's in a way, or it is a way, Jean Paul II would say, that the world becomes more human, right? This beautiful wedding, this complementarity of these gifts, right? So we have um, the fruit, right? These gifts are like the fruit of our feminine disposition. These are the things that like mm. flow from who we are and they're gifts to the world. They're not gifts for ourselves, mm. right? Our gifts are actually never for ourselves. Our gifts are for the sake of others, but they're like the necessary gifts for the call that we have as a woman. And so th does that kind of make sense? I know that now we're getting yeah. some philosophical stuff yeah, going yeah, on yeah. here. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that distinction is so vital because of exactly what you're saying. If we, if we characterize the if we were to say that a woman is made up of certain characteristics and that is what makes her woman, then I think we're going to miss out on exactly what you were talking about before with John Paul II, that uniqueness mm. of every person. And yet mm -hmm. when we talk about what you do in your book of revealing the gifts that come from woman living out her authenticity, living out her femininity, then we can say, ah, there's scope for women to be and express mm. in so many different ways that doesn't take away from her femininity. It actually just reveals that femininity to the world and, and makes a gift of herself yeah. to the world. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big thing. I, have to, I always am like harping on when it comes to these gifts. Like these aren't supposed to be stereotypes, right? Like we're not trying to box you in. Like, no, yeah. we're trying to let yeah. you free, right? Like <laughs> yeah. once you know, like, oh, these are my gifts. Like you, you're free to live from them. But like, if you want to know, like, is the church a church of stereotypes? Like, the the clearest way to see that is just look at the lives yeah. of the saints. Amen. Like, oh my gosh, what <laughs> diversity, right? Like, holy cow! Like Saint Catherine of Siena could not have been more different than Teresa yeah. of Lisieux, who could have not been more different than Joan yeah. of Arc, right? Like the way that they lived and expressed That's their femininity, true. That's right? True so unique, so different, mm. but they're all saints, which tells us that these are examples of women we mm. can turn to who are going to be a model for us of how do we live holiness as women? How do we live holiness as, as humans ultimately, right? Mm. Um, but like, what are some unique like clues we have that are going to help us live that holiness, uh, particularly as mm. women? Mm. So maybe we can go then to the, you talk about eight gifts in particular, not, not to say that these are the only gifts that come from woman living out her femininity, but these are the eight gifts that you've been talked about in your book. So maybe we can go through what those eight are just very briefly, and then we might deep yeah. dive into some of them. Great. I love it. I love it. Yes. So a uh, little, little caveat again, right? So these are eight gifts that I saw John Paul II talking about frequently or like really drilling down on. And this doesn't mean though that these are the mm. eight gifts. And I think that's really important because 
one thing when I was first initially researching for the feminine genius, right, for that talk years ago, I kept seeing this list of like the four aspects of the feminine genius. And I was like, where are these from? You know, like I'd read through his stuff. I couldn't find anywhere where he said that. And then I, um, finally kind of like did some, did some like a sleuthing, some digging, found out as far back as I can trace them and reached out to the author who originally spoke on these. And she herself was like, I don't know where this came from. (laughs) She was like, maybe that was my own synthesis. Maybe that was somebody else's. I I don't really know. Right. So like, and then I realized, oh, John Paul II Mm. never gave us a list, Mm. right? He never gave us a list of these are the four aspects. These are the four gifts. These are whatever, eight, 16, whatever. He never did that. And so these are, right, this is my own synthesis of, of eight of the things he kept coming back to that I found were really helpful for me as I was discovering the feminine Mm -hmm, genius. mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's my first caveat. So if you listen to this list (laughs) and you're like, oh, something's missing, that's because it is right. Or if you're like, oh, I don't identify with that at all. Um, I would say that's totally understandable, right? Like, especially the first time you Mm. hear something, but if you dig down and you really explore these gifts, you're going to find the unique way that you live them. And some of the gifts are going to be stronger. Some of the gifts are going to be weaker, totally normal and totally fine too. We're not all amazing at everything. So so to make sure we say that before anybody feels like you just said these were stereotypes, you just said you weren't going to put me in the box. (laughs) It might feel like Mm. that, but that's not, that's not at all what we're doing. So, okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I would start with, um, what I would call kind of the foundational gifts, which are receptivity and maternity. And the reason I call these foundational, um, to, to women in particular is because these are the gifts that are written on our souls, mm-hmm. right? On our souls. And this is where, okay, we're going to get theological, but you can do this. Okay. <laughs> Even if you're not a theology person, Love you it. Okay, this, if okay? you say we can, then we can. So Lisa, let's do it. <laughs> we can. We can't, we can do this. Okay. So we were made in the image of God, right? Like we learned that in Genesis, right? Genesis 127, male and female, he created them in the image of God. He created them, right? So to be made in the image of God, one of the ways that we image God, one of the ways that we reflect his being is in our capacity to give and receive, right? So God, the father gives himself fully to God, the son who receives that gift and then fully gives himself to God, the father, right? And the love between them spirates as the theologians would say, or creates the Holy Mm -hmm. spirit, right? So when we give and receive, we are reflecting the Trinity and woman in a unique way. We have, we are the privileged sign of the receptivity because it's something that's written on our souls, but as women, it's revealed through our bodies, right? Like this is crazy. Okay. It's revealed through our bodies in the sense that we have a physical capacity to receive. Like that's like how our body like is designed in the marital embrace of sex, right? Like we receive like beautiful, right? So that first foundational gift is receptivity. It's this ability that we have to be able to unique, uniquely receive others into our lives, both physically, but also there's a, JP2 would say there's a visible sign with, to the invisible reality, right? So we can physically receive, but we also then can invisibly receive others, right? We have this amazing capacity to welcome others into our hearts. We welcome others into our calendars. We welcome others into our homes, right? We receive people uniquely as women because that's something that we get to be the privileged Mm -hmm. sign of because it's a reflection that we see right on our own bodies, right? So then from receptivity flows maternity, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) 
from physically receiving, we can become physical mothers. Another beautiful, beautiful gift that we have. Um, So this maternity, though, John Paul II, this ability to to mother, I think sometimes people get like stuck right there because they're like, but I don't Mm, have kids. mm, So mm. I guess... (laughs) I guess I don't live femininity. Like, no, 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 no. Hold the phone, Mm -hmm. right? The reason we know that being a physical mother is not the only way to be a mother is because we have religious sisters in the church, right? They never become physical mothers because they, they forego that for the sake of being spiritual mothers, right? So being a physical mother is actually not intrinsic to being a woman because that would mean that all of our religious sisters were actual women. And that's not true, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not at all, right? So very important that we understand that this maternity, because we all have this capacity, this space inside of us to to grow human life, right? To to help human life flourish. Some women are called to do that physically. Vast majority of women are going to be called to do that physically, but we're all called to do that spiritually. And some women are called to exclusively do it spiritually. So no matter if you're married, if you have children, it doesn't matter. We're all called to live this maternity. We're all called to be mothers to the world in the sense of we're all called to help people to become who they were created to be. We're, we're called to help people to grow, to develop, right? To, to become who God created them to be. We all have that capacity in us to do that because that potential is there. We have the gifts to do that, whether that potential becomes a physical potential or not. Okay. Okay. So foundational gifts, right? The other gift that I would add in there, um, uh, another gift I would say is self-giving. And this one is an interesting one, right? Because you could look at that and you could go, wait, isn't that like what, like the privilege sign for men to be self-giving, right? Because in this reflection analogy, right? Women, our bodies reveal receptivity, but men, their bodies reveal giving, right? But John Paul II is constantly, one of his favorite things to come back to, right, is man can only fully find himself and giving himself as as a sincere gift to others, right? So this is like part of like being human. And so that's why I include it in those gifts, because I think it's that important that we recognize that we have a unique way that we give as women, and that cannot be overlooked because that is part of the way that we reflect the being of God, right? The, The Trinity, right? And so this idea of we are all called to give of ourselves to others. And women, we do that in this person-oriented way. Okay, so those are kind of like Mm -hmm, the real mm -hmm. theological ones. And then from there, I I pull out five more gifts that you hear JP2 talk about quite frequently. Um, Then those are, and I'll I'll say them and then I'll go through real quick. Sensitivity, intuition, generosity, fidelity, and strength. Right. So these are the words that I kept seeing him come back to. And I think the reason why I love um, these words is because it's so clear to me that these are gifts that are so necessary for our call as women to be the mothers of the world, right? To spiritually and physically mother the world and to care for the world in this unique way. A lot of our popes have these amazing quotes and they're in the book on how women are just like, gosh, like we need women, the way that they care for the world is like so vitally essential, right? But to do that, right, we need these things, right? We need sensitivity. We need that ability to see the needs of others, recognize the needs of others. So sensitivity for JP2 is not like women cry a lot, right? (laughs) It's not like we can't control our emotions. mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. no, that's not what he's saying. And that that was one thing that tripped me up for a long time because I was like, I don't cry at movies. So I guess I'm not a very good woman. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. then I was like, oh yeah, that's not actually what he meant. No, it's this ability to be sensitive to the needs of others, to recognize the needs of others. And then with that, and JP2 talks about this a lot, is our intuition. 
women have this deep intuition, not just to see the need, but to know how to meet it. Right. So with sensitivity, we recognize the need with intuition. Mm. We know what Mm. to do. Right. It's kind of like that motherly intuition. You know, it's like right away, like you just know how to handle a situation and you don't always know why or how, but you just have this gift, this capacity to be able to assess the situation quickly and do what needs to be done. And believe me, as a physical mother, that is so (laughs) necessary. (laughs) It is so necessary. There's so many times you just have to be quick on your feet. You just have to recognize what needs to be done and how to do it and just, and just take care of business. Um, cause that's human life moves quick sometimes. Mm. Right. Um, and then also with that generosity, like, Oh my gosh, in order to care for the world as we are called to do, and this, this beautiful, this beautiful gift that we get to do this, right. Um, generosity, like you have to be able to not just give of yourself, but give of yourself, like over and an overflowing and in an abundant way. Right. And so God graces us with that ability to be able to do that because sometimes it's, it's very draining and we're not always perfect at it. I'm not, I'm not always generous. Right. Yeah. But we have to have that capacity, right. To be able to, to uniquely be generous to the world. And then fidelity, another one of those things like we have to have, um, in order to care for the world, like the fidelity of a mother is just, it's such an easy example, right? You see how mothers like do, you know, unless there's extreme circumstances, like we have this heart, this capacity, our natural inclination is to care for and to be faithful to the people in our lives who we love, whether that be children, whether that be a boyfriend or whether that be um, our parents, our siblings, right? Like we are faithful to our people, our friends, right? That's just something that's like ingrained in us because we don't want to give up mm-hmm. on people. We want to stick with them. We want to help them through those tough times. And then the last thing is strength. Like every woman needs to be strong to live this call because it can be very emotionally draining, right? Yeah. It can be very exhausting. Yeah. Um, and so we have this deep interior strength as women where we can hold on when the world's falling apart, when everything is just like going to chaos. We have this strength to be able to, to be there for those we love, to walk with them, to um, keep the world um, you know, sane in the midst of often chaotic situations. So that is my... Yeah, which is it's hard to it's hard. You've pretty much just truncated right the majority of your work in that book into what like four <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so it's hard to do. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's so hard to do. Taking all the examples right? out, taking the yeah, stories of the saints. Yeah, out, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I guess maybe if we could just pick a few, and then maybe we can pull that apart a little bit yeah. more. So I kind of want to start with one of the foundational ones that you spoke about, maternity, and I think. The reason why I'd like to go there first is because I feel as though when it comes to femininity, this is the space that most people will recognize will be something the church will talk about, <laughs> whether that be because mm-hmm. the church, they feel though, as though the church upholds um, motherhood as something to be really valued or because they feel as though the church only values motherhood as in biological motherhood and nothing else. So regardless of whichever um, story that they themselves, the person who might be listening will have, I feel as though this is where most Christians will go when we say the church is talking about maternity. So perhaps if we could pull a little bit apart there and in particular in reference to, because one of the things you do in your book is you talk about the twists of what can happen when these gifts Mm can become distorted in the way that we try to express them. So I'd love for you to kind of tell us a little bit about um, maternity juxtaposed to the distortion that might happen and, and maybe like what can we what can we do to be mindful and wary of that too? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it might be helpful to give uh, listeners here just like a little bit of a flow of how a chapter works. Yeah. Yeah. Like, definitely. This is something that definitely. I do in, in, with every mm. one of them. Yeah. So, so each of these eight gifts um, in the in the book, after an introduction, right? What is a family genius? We take the gift and we look at okay, what did JP do say about it? And then we look at the life of a saint who lived it, like as, as an example, like a way that we can go, oh, okay, that's beautiful. Look how she lived her maternity, her sensitivity, whatever it is. And then we look at how can it go wrong, right? Because yeah, sometimes our greatest gifts can become our greatest like weaknesses mm. because they get twisted, mm. right? So it's like the pendulum swings the other way. And then what do we do about it? How do we untwist that lie? So when it comes to maternity, I think it's, a, it's, it's such a sensitive topic sometimes. Mm. Um, I think because it's so foundational to who we are, right? Like we all have a mother. (laughs) We all came from a mother. Like it's impossible Mm -hmm. to not come Mm -hmm. from a mother, right? And some of us have a complicated relationship with our mothers or maybe with our mother Mm -hmm. figures. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a grandmother or an aunt or, you know, whoever played that role in our life. Or even if we had a great physical mother, maybe there was somebody else who was a mother figure who failed us, right? So we all have kind of um, just, just deep, ties to maternity um, that we bring into our own lives. And what I found is that, you know, in the church, we do talk a lot about father wounds. And I think that's beautiful, right? Like how we have a hard time sometimes seeing God as our father, right? Because our own fathers have failed us in certain ways. But what we don't talk about as much as our mother wounds, right? The times where our mothers have failed us. Um, And so that can then taint our view of motherhood, right? You can hear like maternity. And for some women, it's like an immediate turnoff, like, oh, I wouldn't want to mother the world. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't want to be overbearing. I don't want to smother people. I don't want to, um, you know, manipulate people. I don't want to make them feel belittled, right? We, we, we pull in these experiences that we have, but what we have to remember is like, that's not a good mother, right? Like a good mother doesn't belittle her child. A good mother doesn't smother her child or over be overbearing, right? A good mother, what she does is she advances the growth of her children, right? She, she, um, she cares for them. She nurtures them. And that's what we're called to do um, in whatever capacity that is as a physical mother or as a spiritual mother. And so I think the first thing when we think about maternity is we have to first like untwist those lies that we have of motherhood being something negative or being something that's a burden or being something that we want to reject because our world is telling us that sometimes, you know, like, yeah, when we just look at contraception, we look at abortion, right? These are things that are telling us like, no, 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 maternity is bad. Being a mother is bad. You actually don't want to tether yourself to another human being because that's a burden or that's going to, you know, prevent you from achieving mm. your dreams, whatever it is, right? So we have to recognize like, oh, that's a twisting of something that's beautiful. Um, and we have to sit with that sometimes. And we have to first dive down to our own wounds that come from maternity and wrestle with those. And that can be, that can be painful. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I've had women who you know, have said, like, I started reading your book and we got to the maternity chapter and I had to put it down yeah. for a while. Like, yeah. I just wasn't ready to face mm. that yet. I wasn't ready to think about that yet. Mm. Um, but praise be to God. So many of them said, you know, but then I came back to it because I didn't want that to control me. I didn't want that to prevent me from being able to live that gift that God has so clearly blessed me with um, and be able to be that blessing to those in the world, right? Because we all we all have a desire to give ourselves to somebody, right? Like, that's what we were created to do. We were created in the image of God who gives, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we want to give. We like whether even though as much as we like to think we can just live in isolation and just do our own thing and not deal with anybody, like we become lifeless when we do that, right? Cuz cuz we're not fully living unless we are 
living in the community that we are called to live in, like embracing life, living life fully. Right. And so all this is very deeply tied together. Right. Um, and so, so I think that first step in, in this, in, in being able to let go of some of that is, is saying, you know, okay, I do have these past wounds. I do have these twists, but how can I untwist those lies? And I think the first place that I go to untwist those lies is to our, our mother, Mary, right? Like she was, she is our heavenly mother. Like we can turn to God, the father as like, here is what a good father looks like. Right. We can turn to Mary as here's what a good mother looks like. Right. Like she intercedes for us. She cares for us, right? Like she's sensitive to our needs. She's generous with her life as she, um, you know, intercedes for us from heaven. She advances our growth, right? Like she does all these amazing things for us. Um, and she continues to mother us from heaven. And so she's the one who we, we have to remember, okay, this is what a good mother looks like. She has to be our model. And I think that's, that's one of the the first steps, right? Of many steps for some, right? But that's where I would mm. go first. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I love the section that you do at the end of the book where you actually tie all the gifts to Mary as well. I think that's quite powerful mm. because it gives you, when you've sat with all the gifts and you've seen these extraordinary examples of the saints that you also talk about, it can sometimes still feel quite overwhelming. And then so to be able to sit with and go, well, actually, mm. let's put it back into the context of Mother Mary, whom I can have a relationship with mm. now. <laughs> that all gives you it gives yeah. you someone who can kind of walk with you right there and then, even if you might be someone who has a maybe a broken relationship with your own biological mother or primary caregiver or you know, maybe you don't have many female friends around you or, you know, uh, uh, whatever the circumstances might be. If you don't have that community around you, you at least have Mary <laughs> that you can always go to. So I think that's, uh, it's such a practical tool that can sometimes feel, not a practical tool, that's a wrong way to put it, practical relationship that you can enter into <laughs> that can sometimes feel like it's actually over-spiritualized when it's not. <laughs> it's not an over-spiritualized reality yeah, at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like we need mm. a mom. Like mm. we do. We all need a mother who's going to nurture mm. us and advance our mm. growth and, you know, be there for yeah. us. It's and it's also necessary. vital for the church too, right? As, as a bride of Christ, like there's mm -hmm. a, there's a femininity there mm -hmm. as well. There's a heart that's meant to also be, have that maternity to it. So that question you were asking before, it stumped me when you were saying, you know, we talk a lot about father wounds, but we don't talk a lot about mother wounds. And, and we see what happens when we don't mm. have pastors who are being authentic fathers and loving, genuinely loving fathers. We've, we've seen that through history. It's been damaging and scandalizing, but at the same time, I, I can't help mm. but wonder how many families do we have in our church who are suffering with mother wounds that actually stunts the growth of the church um as well and, and perpetuates mm -hmm. the wounds of the church so mm -hmm. i guess that's that's something else that i'm going to take mm -hmm. away <laughs> for meditation and prayer um as well yes yeah yeah that complementarity is so necessary we have to have the voice of both men and women and this isn't just like about like secular equality no it's about like jp2 would say like no 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 like the, the the human finds full realization when there's collaboration between men and women because it's two beautiful expressions of humanity and both of them have to come together to get a full yeah. picture. Um, and even Pope Francis recently was talking about this. He was saying, you know, if we face a problem with just men in the room, we'll come up with a solution and it can be a great solution. But if women are present, the solution is going to be mm. richer. It's going to be mm. more intuitive. It's going to be more full because we're seeing, you know, a fuller picture because 
all of humanity is, is coming together to work together to solve this problem as opposed to just one expression. Mm, mm. And, and we need them. <laughs> I think that's the, yeah. you know, relating back to what you said early in your book, which something resonated with me because I felt the same way, is about the helpmate. <laughs> when when we're first mm. when women is first <laughs> described as a helpmate the experience that you have in your book is the exact same that I had in the sense that it was jarring mm. it was really jarring to hear the church mm-hmm. say well that's what women are we're meant to be helpmates to men because my understanding at the time mm. my understanding of helpmate was what so I'm just meant to like serve the guy <laughs> I'm just meant to like bring him his sandwich <laughs> like what that yeah. is so not okay. Why is the church okay with this? No. <laughs> Checking yeah. out right now. <laughs> so not okay. Yeah. But that but that is not what's being asked of of us as women at all. It's so much more profound. No, and like so much more profound than that because it's actually um it's it it, it twigged for me finally um really concretely in the in Pope Paul the sixth quote that you also use in your book towards the very end um, from Vatican II, where that particular quote, which we'll put in the show notes, um, really explodes when it shows just how much women are actually needed in the world, not because there is some, some little part that we have to play, but actually because we have an equal part to play in the flourishing of mankind yeah. as a whole. <laughs> it's not just of one other person. Yeah. It's not just of one moment in time. Yes, those are important, but actually it's our, our ability to be able to fully express who God designed us to be has a monumental impact on all of mankind and is necessary for all of mankind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen to all of that. It's, yeah, I think it's so important. Yeah. That women understand that what we bring is vitally essential. Um, and it's, there, there's a beautiful like servant heart to it, but there's also a beautiful servant heart to man's role, right? Like we're serving each other, right? This isn't like women serve men full stop and men like do all the fun <laughs> stuff. It's like, no, no, no. Like we're no. called to serve yeah. each other in the unique way we serve. Yeah. yeah. And we, there's, there's, there's a uniqueness to the way that we each mm. serve. Um, but I mean, ultimately like we're all called to give of ourselves. We're all called to lay down our lives. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That can't be mm. missing. Mm. I'm conscious of the time here, Lisa. We've kind of hit like that 40-minute mark. Mm. So I'm actually wondering if we might move. The <laughs> second, um, there was another one that I wanted to go into. Well, there's a two that I wanted to go into, but we might go into another one of them in the Patreon section of this mm. particular episode, if that suits you, Lisa. Mm. Maybe to end with this particular episode, though, maybe um, something that we do on the podcast. So I've, I'm going to throw, like, just throw it out there and take a moment if you need to take a moment. <laughs> Something that generally my co-host and I, Padre, um, Father Sean Burns, we generally have like a truth, beauty and goodness at the end of each um, episode where we share a particular thing that might have happened during the week or during the month that really resonated in terms of um, being able to experience God's truth, beauty and goodness either in an interaction with someone or something that we experienced in the world. So maybe that might be a way for us to wrap up this particular conversation um, is there something that springs to mind mm. to you at this point, Lisa? 
I mean, I'm just like, the first thing that comes to mind is just the moments before we even hopped on. <laughs> um, so I, I had mentioned to Stina um, that my husband had kind of a last minute trip. So he's out of town. So my kids are home. Right. And my, my daughter and I were sitting at the table and she was asking something about schedule. And I was like, Oh, I gotta be on in 20 minutes. <laughs> like, so we just, you know, dinner's moving. Everybody's, you know, moving parts all the time. And all my kids, they're just, I mean, I praise God. Like I, I they're such a blessing to me. Um, this, I don't mean to paint this as like our life oh. is perfect here in Denver. Right. But like, I have kids who are just like, so, so fantastic. And immediately all of them were like, what do you need mom? And it was like, my oldest daughter was like, okay, I'll put, I'll put Isaac to bed. And my nine-year-old was like, I'll go get the lights. Right. Because I, it's, it's nighttime here. Right. So she knew like, it's really cute. Like they know what I do and what, what needs Aww. to be done. Right. And my son immediately was getting the tech set up <laughs> and like all of them just like sprang into action. Um, and it's just like the beauty of family life and being mm. on mission together. Um, I think that's, like such a joy and a blessing to me is that we, um, and I know this isn't always possible, right? But like God has blessed us with the desire of our heart as a family from the time that my husband and I, when my husband proposed to me, right? It, the part of his proposal was, will you go on mission oh. with me, right? Like we want to be on mission together and it really is a family mission. Um, and to get to share that, like, I just get to see that beauty every day, mm. right? The goodness of, of, running towards a goal together as a family of, um, evangelizing, spreading, you know, Jesus, spreading the truth of, of the church and the freedom that comes with it. It's just, I don't know. It's just an honor. So like, when you said that, like, when did you last encounter? And I'm like, just just like <laughs> I mean, in this conversation, but then also right before yeah. this conversation, you know, it's just, it was just amazing to watch all the kids uh, be like, we got yeah. this <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's your, you have your own cheer squad, your own team, your own, you know, support, yeah. um, witness, like it's all, all jam packed there in, in your family. How beautiful. What a gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a gift. Yeah, it, it truly is. Yeah. It truly is. Yeah. Um, as cheesy as it's going to sound, Lisa, my truth, beauty and goodness comes from you this week. <laughs> Um, I just, Aww. I love one. I love your generosity in being able to put aside time, your, you and your family's generosity to be able to put aside time to be able to have this conversation. I so appreciate that. The other is as with most Christian authors, you don't know the impact that you're having on your readers. So for me, mm. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. Mm. Um, wow. <laughs> It, it was a beautiful read, Lisa. It was really, really beautiful. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Give me one moment. Didn't see that coming. Um, it, it really was. It was a really beautiful <laughs> read. And there were moments in there that I read that I thought that was meant for me, like directly meant for me. And mm. and you probably weren't aware of that at all as you were writing your words. You're, you know, in sync with the Holy Spirit doing what he's asking you to do. But that mm. just to affirm you that that mm. is filtering like that parts of that was filtered directly for me. So I just want to thank you mm, for being so docile to yeah, the Holy but... Spirit and for allowing your femininity to shine mm. through and being a gift of yourself to the world and also to me. So thank you. You are, oh, praise God. I tell you what, it's, it's just amazing. You know, um, the things, you know, as you said, and I, it means a lot to me to hear that. I hope it's okay if I say Please. this real quick. It's just like, you, you know, I, writing is hard for me. Like it's a struggle, you know, but like, I don't know. There's just like this push of like the Lord, like you're not the only one women need to know that, you know, yes. <laughs> like we all need to hear yes. this. Right. And so that's why I write people are like, Oh, you're an author. And I'm like, 
I am, but I'm, I don't consider myself a writer. Like, that's not what I love. That's, you know, like yeah. I would, that's not the first thing I want to do every morning. Right. Um, and so to know that like that struggle, like meant something, you know, it means yeah. a lot to me. So thank yeah. you for that. Blessed. Oh, praise God for his goodness. Hey. <laughs> My goodness. Mm, yes. My yes. goodness. Well, again, thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the episode and being joining us on the podcast today. And thank you guys to the community who follow us each and every week. We hope that you got something out of this particular episode that struck you. Maybe it struck you because you are a woman or maybe you're thinking about the women in your life and maybe there's someone you'd like to share this episode with. So I'd encourage you to do that. If you are interested in purchasing the book, go and check out the show notes. We've put a link in the show notes for you that you can go and find the book as well Um, and also jump over to our patreon section where we'll continue this conversation with lisa today but as always i'll catch you all next week but until then know about love and press